As you know, we've been in a sermon series over the 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. These are the core things, the foundational things that we believe, that we believe about what God is doing in the church and in the world and what the Scripture teaches us about what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus. And today we're on number 11, so we're about two-thirds of the way through, and this one is entitled The Ministry. And it says this, A divinely called and scripturally ordained ministry has been provided by our Lord for the fourfold purpose of leading the church in evangelization of the world, worship of God, building a body of saints being perfected in the image of his Son, and meeting human need with ministries of love and compassion. It was several months ago that I was put into contact with a missionary named Jacob Jester. He and his family are serving with uh, Assemblies of God World Missions, And they're specifically focusing on something called Africa Call. And he is helping to raise up a generation of missionaries and ministers to serve on the continent of Africa, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he shared what God was doing through them, what his call and his purpose is in ministry, what the goal of his ministry is, I thought that this was a unique and powerful opportunity for us, not only to hear a doctrine preached, but to hear from a missionary about the call of God, the way that God is calling people, and how he may want to call you as well. And so this morning I've asked Jacob, he's going to be sharing with us about God's call. And I want to ask you that you would just open your hearts and your ears to God's word as he shares it, and be open to what the Holy Spirit may speak to you as Jacob Jester shares with us about the call of God and his work with Africa Call. Jacob, would you come and share God's word with us? And let's welcome Jacob. Up to Bethany Assembly of God. Amen. I hope you all are doing very well this morning. You look, you look beautiful. You look fantastic. It's great to be able to be with the Thee family and uh, Stephen the pastor. I thought that was funny. That's a street name, <laughs> Stephen the pastor. <laughs> we'll get to know each other. It'll be brilliant. I, uh, I'm looking forward to being able to share with you today about what God has put on my heart and about the call to ministry, but also to weave in the idea and the story of missions and how God has spoken to our family about walking into missions. Um, before I actually get into the message, I wanted to introduce you to my family who couldn't be with me today, but uh, this is my family. This is my wife, Kristen. To my right, she and I have been married now for nearly 19 years Uh, uh, My son Jude, to our left, is 15 years old, and um, he's really into football right now, and this picture's about a year and a half old. He's been lifting a lot and eating all of our eggs, which has devastated the economy in our area, and uh, he looks now like he's about 23 years old, so that's also frightening for my family, and then to my right there is our our other son, Cruz, who is 12 years old, and uh, loves to play video games when we allow him. And then in my arms is our daughter, Indy. We're very blessed by all of our children. My son Jude was born with a big head. Cruz was born with a big head. And then when Indy was born with a normal-sized head, we were very excited about that because we suffer from big-headed problems in our family. Uh, my mom tells me that my head is the same size today as it was the day that I was born. So we've learned to deal with these situations in our family. 
Um, I want to share with you today about what the Lord has put on my heart about the call to ministry, but also I love to share with you about this idea that you and I all have a place and a purpose to live out what God has put inside of us. And when we begin to do that, we begin to experience the blessing and the favor of the Lord in ways that we have not expected or anticipated before. So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter number 37, verse number 1. The book of Ezekiel chapter number 37, verse number 1. Ezekiel chapter number 37, verse number 1. It says this, it'll also be on the screen. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. I call this message because I said so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be here at Bethany this morning, to be in church, to be in your presence. Father, I pray that your anointing and your promises would fill this building, would fill the house. I pray that your grace and your mercy would speak very clearly. And I pray that before we leave this room, Father, we will know that we have been in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I pray that you would speak to people in the room about their purpose and their placement in the will of God to see and to experience significant things as you call them, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask, in your name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. When I was two years old, my dad had a dream. And in my dad's dream, he found himself sitting in an airplane. And as he was understanding this dream and trying to orient himself to wherever he was, he found himself sitting in this plane. And the plane landed, and as he looked out the window, he saw that he was landing on a long runway in a very dark place. Uh, And as he watched himself in his dream walk to the bottom of the stairs as they were let down onto the runway, as he found himself standing all the way at the bottom of the stairs, he looked and he saw that he was on a, a thin strip of asphalt. He looked and he saw that he was surrounded on three sides by water. And as he tried to orient himself to wherever he might be, he saw that on the other side of one of the bays he was surrounded by was a city on the other side that rose up on these mountains that came all the way down to where the mountains met the beach. And in the distance he could see twinkling lights in the city from this small city that he found himself standing in front of. He woke from his dream the next morning and he went to my mother and he told my mom, he said, I believe that the Lord has called us into missions and I think that God has shown us where we're going to go. And my mom... She laughed out loud. She said, you can go. I'm staying. So my dad began to pray for my mom. He began to pray, Father, I pray that you would speak to my wife. I pray that you would speak to her heart about the things that you've called us to, Father. Lord, I pray that this call to missions that you've put in our heart, that you would begin to stir this and let this arise in her spirit. And my mom, she began to also pray for my dad. She said, Jesus, I pray that this crazy thought that you put in my husband's head would dissipate now in the name of Jesus. 
They started to pray, hoping they would cancel out each other's prayers. You ever tried to cancel out the prayer of somebody else? It's a very unique prospect. But eventually, they found themselves on the same page. The two prayers that they tried to pray against one another did not succeed. And seven years later, my mother and my father sat in front of a group of men and women in Springfield, Missouri, trying to determine what God was saying to them about the possibility of serving Jesus on the continent of Africa. See, what we find sometimes about life and ministry is that we don't always know what the Lord is saying. But what I hope we will understand today about the message is that when God has called us to something unique and to something special and to something important, we find ourselves having to learn about the prospect and the power of faith. Because there will be times in my life in which God speaks to me about something that I don't fully understand. And here's what I want you to get from the very beginning of the word is that your job and your responsibility as follower of Jesus is not to always understand what God is calling you to do, but to be willing to step into by faith into what he's speaking to your heart. So I'm the father of three amazing children. I've already showed you pictures of them on the screen and let me tell you that from a parent's perspective, we don't always have the best answers to our kids' questions, do we? Sometimes whenever my sons say to me, when I tell them to take out the trash, and I say, I need you to take out the trash, and they say to me, why? And I, I go down into the basement and I say to my son, Cruz, I need you to make up your bed. And he says, well, why? See, whenever I want to feel sad, I go down to our basement. I go down to the basement and I find that there's sadness all around me. All the 13 cups we couldn't find yesterday, I've now discovered them in the basement. I find ramen that's returned to its original state. I don't know why we eat things that it returned to the original state without the presence of moisture. But I, I find myself sad when I go down to the basement and when I tell my sons to do something and then they question me, I've discovered that I don't always have the most well-articulated reply to all of their questions. And I've discovered that sometimes the only response I have to my sons when they question something I need them to do is, well, because I said so. I need you to take out the trash. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> the very same response that frustrated and irritated us as children is now the very same thing we give our own sons and our daughters because I said so. And this is the struggle with because I said so. Because I said so has no explanation. And because I said so is filled with ambiguity. Because I said so hopefully relies on trust and belief. In other words, as mom and dads, we hope that when we say because I said so, in spite of the ambiguity, that there is understanding between son and father. So let me take you back to the scripture for just a moment. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. What you and I are witnessing now in the book of Ezekiel is one of the most dark and yet powerful moments in all of the scriptures and the prophetic statements. The prophet Ezekiel is taken to a valley. And I use my imagination and I picture rocks loosely sitting on tops of mountains that are like piers toward the heavens. And I wonder to myself, what brought these dry bones to the middle of a valley? These bones that have once had life and encouragement have now found themselves dead at the bottom of the valley. And I've come to believe that this valley was a place that brought warriors out to war. And I've had this message on my heart, this context on my heart for some time. And as I reread this passage, I've continued to come to the conclusion that there are principles of missions and calling buried within the layers of the context. And here is the first one that I want to lay out to you for just a moment. Every purpose has power, but only if put into practice. 
Every purpose has power, but only if put into practice. And what does that mean? It means that you and I were made on purpose and for a purpose. There is no randomness to our lives. You may be a random person, but random events and random moments do not equate to the order of our life. In fact, the word order implies that you and I have a place, a place where we do what God has called us to do, a place where we live the way that God has shown us, and a way that we live that purpose out. But here's the catch. My place in the order and your place in the order do not always line up. In other words, my place may not be your place. My gifting may not be your gifting. What brings me life and joy may not bring you life and joy. That's why we don't have to be mad at each other when you don't laugh at my jokes because apparently what brings me joy hasn't come to you yet. <laughs> and that's okay, Stephen the Pastor. I hope you change that to your Instagram handle. I love my kids, but I found that my kids have a way of critiquing me. Have you ever noticed that kids, especially those younger children, have a way of critiquing you? You ever been critiqued by a 12-year-old? I discovered that the other day my, my sons were telling me that I was eccentric. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant. Now, I know what the word eccentric means, but I didn't know what it meant to them. And so I started racking my brain trying to understand the definition of a 12-year-old's understanding of my eccentricity. I thought maybe it's because I like to roll the windows down when I pick them up at school listening to 80s music. That could be eccentric. Maybe it's because I like to sing songs out loud even in public and people, especially my own family, try to tell me to be quiet. Every song is better sung operatic. And maybe that's eccentric. And then the other day my wife and I were shopping at Sam's Club, we were shopping at a large store and we were walking down the aisle and we noticed that there was a man pushing a shopping cart like this. And my wife said to me, she said, do you see that man? I said, I do. She said, that's eccentric. She said, that's you. That's something you would do. And for about one second, I was completely and totally offended. And then it hit me. It's something I would do. <laughs> I would absolutely do that. And now I've started to understand that sometimes my place is to be the eccentric person in the middle of the room that perhaps from time to time people like to point out. Here's the good news for some of you in the room. Your order is found in your orders. Where you fit is found in what frustrates you. You belong doing the things that God has put inside of you that cause you to become frustrated with the world around you. That's why we are called to mission. That's why we are called to ministry because there's a part of our life that becomes frustrated when the world around Around us does not line up with the goodness of God and the church of Jesus Christ must be willing to step into that order to step into that place so what might that be for you for some of you it might be preach so learn to preach it preach up if it's to teach then teach it teach up if it's business then give everything that you have to the business that God has put in front of you and give everything that you have to the glory and the goodness of God because if God has called you to it you have the ability to do it for the very good thing that God has put in front of you. My family and I in 2014 planted a church in the city of Phoenix, Arizona, a place that we had learned to fall in love with. We had learned to love the desert. I didn't own the lawnmower for eight years. I would go out and I would rake my rocks. 
and I became anal about the lines in my rocks. And then the Lord began to call us into serving him on the continent of Africa, to serving him in missions. And we had to step out of the comfort zone that we had found ourselves in to begin to embrace the uncertainty of following Jesus. Following Jesus into life and into ministry was never meant to be certain. That's the thing that we fear and become frustrated with about our own lives is that we believe that certainty is where God has called us to and clarity is where we should live. But I wonder to myself where clarity finds faith. Sometimes clarity removes from us the ability to trust God by faith. That's the reason why I believe that you and I, yes, we are called to serve Jesus, and yes, we want to have clarity, but sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone means being and becoming like Simon Peter, who stepped out of a boat, stepped out upon the water, and believed that God somehow would find him there in the middle of the storm. Some of you are facing a storm in your life that you can't quite articulate. You haven't been able to define or explain to the people around you. And you, you have heard God telling you to get out of the boat and begin to trust him by walking on water. Here's the good news for some of you in the room. You may find yourself like the prophet Ezekiel standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones trying to ascertain why you have found yourself here. And unfortunately, some of you have spent the last few weeks, months, and years hearing from God one thing and then doing the opposite. He's told you to go right and you've gone left. He's asked for all and you've settled for some. He said more and you've answered enough. And here's where we're going this morning. You have all been set on mission. And yet at the same time, there's some of you in the room that have been specifically set apart by God to be called into his ministry. You've been all set on mission to go around the world, to sacrifice and give toward missions, and yet there are some of you that if you were truly to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he's called you to do more than just serve some. He's called you to begin to serve all. And it becomes the catch of our life. We cannot know our purpose without an embrace of God's mission, and we cannot help to fulfill the mission and the vision without being settled into our own purpose. Someone needs to hear this this morning. Purpose and placement are tied to mission and vision. You were made to be filled. You were made to be complete in Jesus. You were born to be finished in his presence. And how does all of this begin to make sense? See, you are filled when your purpose is found in God's placement. You become complete when you are full of the mission of God. For some of you in the room, the emptiness that you feel and the loneliness that you've experienced, it feels like you are wondering and it comes back down to this. You have not obeyed your marching orders. See, marching orders are always to a better future. Marching orders are made to find who you really are. Marching orders are for life. They are not for death. They are meant for us to hear the voice of God and then to go there. Which takes us back to our scripture. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. The first thing I want you to take note of as this scripture is becoming more unfolded, it says that he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. This is crucial for understanding. He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and the reference to the spirit of the Lord is the marker of the spiritual nature of the moment. God took him to a place... God brought him out. God's power sent him. The prophet was taken to the valley through God's anointing, not through his own ability. And when we read the scripture, we're led to believe that God gave Ezekiel a vision. Here's where I want to take you for just a moment. 
When my purpose becomes his, he will take me to places I never could have gone on my own. He will show me things I could not have seen with my own strength. And he will put me in situations I never could have created with my own ability. This is why your best place to be is always in his hand. Your home is in his hand. Your peace becomes in where he positions you. And your grace is always found in the goodness of God. If you're in the building this morning saying, where do I fit in? You will fit best being held in the palms of a God who has known you from the very foundation of the world, who knows where you are, who has seen your frustration, and yet at the same time, is calling you to step up and step out into walking with him into a ministry you thought maybe you have never been able to do by yourself. Here's the good news. You are not able to do it by yourself. You're able to do it with a God who saves and sustains. He saved you, and here he is getting ready to sustain you. The second thing I want you to take notice of, it says he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Here's where you are made. You are made in the valley of dry bones. You become formed in the valley. You are vindicated in the valley. And you will see his victory in the middle of a valley of dry bones. See, God took Ezekiel to a scenario that should not exist. This valley of dry bones should not exist. Death should not exist. Pain should not exist. Hate should not exist. Racism should not exist. The valleys of your existence that have become filled with long lost life should not exist. But if they do and when they do, when you've seen pain that cannot be articulated, when you have felt hatred, when you have seen evil, when you have experienced sickness and disease, when you find yourself standing in the valley of dry bones, wondering how you got to this place, I want you to be bold and believe with me that this should not exist. You serve a God who brings healing even in the middle of a valley of dry bones. You serve a Savior that rescues even in the middle of a valley of dry bones. You serve a God who even in the midst of broken allows you to walk with the freedom and the victory that belongs to you as sons and daughters of God. This is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that a good God always shows his goodness even in the middle of my own personal weakness. And he heals me in the middle of my own personal weakness. But as we go further, as we go further into this story, When you go further and deeper and find yourself standing like Ezekiel in the middle of a valley of dry bones, you'll be tempted to do three things. When the Lord begins to speak to you and call you out of your comfort zone to walk along the journey of ministry, you'll be tempted to do three things. The first one is that you'll be tempted to deny it. You'll say, this can't be. This can't be what I'm called to. And when we deny it, we ignore it. When we deny what God has spoken to us, we perpetuate the thought that somehow God is not good enough. And in our denial, it's in our denial that sin defies us. The second thing that you'll be tempted to do is to deflect. You'll be tempted to deflect it. The definition for the word deflect means to turn aside. Just so you know, she's on time. Some of you are like, she is early. 
I saw you looking at your watches. The definition for the word deflect is to turn aside. If in our denial we pretend that the valley of dry bones doesn't exist, when we deflect, we ignore the ramifications of the valley itself. See, deflection is the denial of our own personal responsibility. Deflection is when we turn our ear to the weeping. Deflection is when we say to God, no, when he's asking us to go. My son Jude played football this year as a freshman. And in the eighth grade, he loved football so much. I almost said American football because I stand in a lot of international audiences. He loves football. And in the eighth grade, he played middle linebacker in his little middle school, and he actually broke a number of records because he's very determined and very disciplined in what he feels like he's supposed to do. And in the very last game of the eighth grade season, before the game, he told me, he said, Dad, the only thing I want to do Sometime I would love to just catch the ball and score a touchdown. He had already broken all these records as a middle linebacker. He assumed that that was something he was going to do more and more of. But he had this dream and he had this goal to score a touchdown. And on the very last game, his team was actually down. They were down in this moment. And all of a sudden, the coach put Jude in on offense. Just a few seconds left in the game. My son Jude was standing there at the, at the end zone. He was just a couple of feet from the end zone to step over and score a touchdown. And all of a sudden, the ball was thrown to him. And all of a sudden, the stadium slipped into slow motion. I saw people stand slowly to their feet. I saw the ball just start to slowly fly through the air until Jude caught the ball stepped over into the end zone and scored the game-winning touchdown. And because he's a little bit arrogant and we're working to deal with this in his life, he put his hand to his side. Stood there in a prideful moment. I've looked back on the story and I've looked back on the scenario before and I've wondered to myself, what would have happened if Jude would have decided instead of catching the ball, he would have decided to deflect his own personal responsibility? hit the ball in midair as the ball hit all the way to the ground. What would happen if Jude would have chosen that instead? He would have deflected his own personal responsibility. The struggle that some of us are facing this morning is that you have deflected the personal responsibility that God has placed upon you even in the midst of brokenness. I'm not just talking about the, the concept of giving to missions. I'm not just talking about serving people who live on the continent of Africa. I'm not just talking about from time to time going to an outreach in your community. I'm talking about the personal responsibility that you have of walking wherever Jesus may lead you to walk. See, we've deflected our own personal responsibility. We have watched as God, as we stand in the end zone, passes us the ball, and we have deflected it to the ground instead of catching the responsibility that God has called us to. It's not just that we've been called to missions. It's that we've been called to a lifelong ministry as sons and daughters of God. And if you're in the room this morning and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have deflected your own personal responsibility to the calling specifically, Specifically of God that it's time for you to take the ball that God has been trying to pass to you for perhaps even years and stand in the purpose that you were made for from the foundation of the world. 
You've been called to do, to see, and to experience things that you could not do on your own. The third thing that you will choose to do is decide. Can these bones live? See, we've been put into a valley to see what can become of them. Behind every problem, there is potential. Behind our brokenness, there is a healer. And behind our sin, there is a Savior. And this is the same message that we proclaim to the world, that there is a problem. But I know the one who has the potential. There is brokenness, but I know the one that is the healer. There is sin, but I know the one that is the Savior. There is a God that behind every struggle knows exactly where to take you along the journey to lead you to the places that He's called you to be. That is why we choose to decide. A couple of years ago, a member of our team went to northern Ghana to dig a water well. Northern Ghana, the dirt, red sand of northern Ghana. Here, this man from our team went and he began to dig the well, but he wanted to do something that we have decided to do in our organization. We will never give physical water without leaving the living water. So they begin to plant a church. See, what we like to say in Africa is that water is life. But unfortunately, water is also death. It happens often that young men and especially young ladies will go down to the water and there just below the surface will be a crocodile waiting for them and they will go to draw water and struggle as Crocodiles wait for them just below the surface of the water. Perhaps they will go to a mud hole that's been trampled by animals and they will try to draw water to take back to their family and bacteria ravages the systems of their family because of that water source. And so when the well was dug and the fresh clean water was starting to bubble to the surface for the very first time, people from all over the region came to find the clean water and here they were coming to find the life-giving water. And as the church had been established and the building had already been built, all of a sudden the building was full from first day. People from all over the region began to give their lives to Jesus. And Pastor Timothy became the pastor of the church because he recognized that this was the calling that God had placed upon his life. Here he was leading a church at a young age. A couple of Sundays after the beginning of the church, there was a knock at the door. Pastor Timothy pushed the door open and there standing in front of him was a man. A man who had recently converted from Islam. And the man looked at Pastor Timothy and said, I'd like to be baptized. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been excited about. But the first baptism service wasn't two weeks from now. As he started to close the door, reminding this man to come back, the man put his hand on the door and said, no, I'd like to be baptized now. So Pastor Timothy looked around and not seeing a pool of water, not seeing a baptismal tank, what he saw was a freshly dug water well with a pump. And he went over to the pump and he began to pump it onto the ground and the water spilled down onto the ground, making mud out of that red clay. And he told the man, lay down. And the man laid in the mud. And he said, roll around. And the man rolled around and Pastor Timothy said, I baptize you now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that man went home and began to tell his entire family about Jesus and his family began to accept Jesus within just a couple of weeks. There was another knock at the door and there was this man standing with his wife. 
tired, she said. And he told her to lie down on the mud, and she did, and she rolled around, and in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, merely two weeks yet again from this story, there was another knock at the door, and there, standing in Pastor Timothy's doorway, was this man, his wife who had just been baptized, and his other wife. Islamic context, he was allowed multiple wives. See, behind every problem, there is potential. And behind every pain, there is a healer. For some of you in the building this morning, you have been standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones trying to understand why you are standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones just like Ezekiel was. And here's what the scripture says. As Ezekiel stood in the middle of the valley of dry bones, he said to the Lord, What am I doing here? And the Lord said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Is it possible that these bones can live? And I love for just a moment how Ezekiel deflected the story. And he said, oh, only you know, God. Only you know if these bones can live. And here's the moment that the prophet Ezekiel had to decide. He said from God these words. God said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You must be willing in those moments to decide. Will you speak God's word or will you deflect your own responsibility? to do so will you share with a broken family will you step into ministry and leave everything that you know and go across the city or go around the world in this moment can you decide with me now can these bones live God knows the power of potential but he's looking to you to say his word and the prophet said to the bones just as God had commanded dry bones hear the word of the Lord come from the four winds and this is what the scripture says the scripture says that from the four winds came a wind that began to fill the once dead bones and they rose an exceedingly great army see you and I are more than a church we're a part of an army that will march into a world that needs to know Jesus and declare dry bones hear the word of the Lord brokenness be healed be restored be free know that Jesus Christ is Lord dry bones hear the word of the Lord can you decide that it's now your personal responsibility but for some of us in the room it's more than just your personal responsibility it now has become your calling Set apart what you've hoped for, what you've imagined, perhaps even what you've dreamt about when nobody's paying attention. They say, God, all this now belongs to you. My call will be yours. My assignment is whatever you will direct me to, Father. I will give myself to ministry and I will give everything that I have to know and experience that in my own personal life. Perhaps you're like my mom and dad. My mom and dad, after seven years of prayer, sitting in Springfield, Missouri, which is now the city I live in, sitting in front of a table of men and women talking about the need on the continent of Africa. And an hour had gone by after country after country had been expressed to them as a possible place where they could serve in ministry and none of them actually connected. And so my dad in frustration pushed himself back from the table, rose to his feet, 
And a gentleman grabbed his arm and said, can I, can I tell you about Sierra Leone? My dad said, please. He said, Sierra Leone is a small West African nation. And the northern part of the country is becoming more and more ravaged by the civil war that has bled over from Liberia. He said, Sierra Leone is one of the only countries in the world that has natural resources like diamonds. And blood diamonds are becoming more and more popular, more and more people are killing and dying for the sake of this precious stone, a diamond. And he said, but Steve, we need workers in Sierra Leone. We need people like your family who will give everything and go to this small West African nation that at that time was listed as the second most impoverished country in the world. And he said, because Steve, here's what's going to happen. He said, you're going to get into a plane and you're going to fly. You're going to fly from the place that you're comfortable with and you're going to land in Freetown. But you're going to land just off the coast on a peninsula surrounded on three sides by water. And you'll notice, Steve, when you get out of that plane that you'll put your feet down at the bottom of the stairs and you'll see that you're surrounded on three sides by water. And then you'll look across the bay and you'll see that on the other side of the bay is a small city that rises up on the mountains where the mountains meet the beach. And to my dad, he described a place that he'd seen seven years ago in his dream. For some of you in the room, you have laid and you've wrestled before God with dreams and visions. And I believe that the Lord is calling you. In fact, I believe that the Lord is more than calling you. For some of you, God is urging you. Decide. Step into destiny. Step into legacy that you have not created. Some of you have come from broken homes and you've come from families that never would have imagined that you would be standing in this type of scenario today. But here you are creating a new legacy for the sons and the daughters that you are raising today. Why? Because you have been more than just called. You have been urged to step into the will and the plan of God to serve Him in this life. Decide now. Standing in the middle of the valley of dry bones can these bones live. My mom and dad served for missionaries from 1989 until 2016 in a broken and an impoverished place because they believed that these bones can live. Do you believe the same thing? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for your spirit to begin to fill this house right now. From the balcony to the front row, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your presence, your power, and your anointing begin to fill every person in the room right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray your goodness and your mercy begin to flow. I want to, I want to pray with you for just a moment so nobody look around and no one talk for just a moment just to allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to begin to fill this place. There's some of you in the room that you would be honest with me and say, Jacob, the Lord has been speaking specific things about ministry to me, about stepping out and serving him over the last few weeks, months, perhaps even years. And maybe you've not known what to do. You've been waiting for a moment. And I believe that the Lord has presented this moment to you today. 
If you're in the room and you would be honest with me, Jacob, and say, the Lord has been speaking to me. The Lord has been speaking to my heart and I want to respond to him. I know that he's speaking calling to me. I know that he's asking me to step out in ministry of some kind. And I just, I just want to, the Lord to know that I decide now that God will use me to speak to these dry bones. I'm going to count to the number three. And when I count to the number three, if that's you, it may be three, four, five or more people in the room. But if that's you, what I want you to do very simply is I want you to put your hand in the air where I can see it. I'm going to count to the number three. And when I ask you to put your hand in the air, that's what i like you to do. Are you ready? I promise you, for some of you, this is a deciding moment for your future. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Lift your hand. Let me see it all over the building. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. You can put it down with me right now. Second question, are you ready? There's always got to be a second question. Second question. If you're in the room and you say, Jacob, I don't believe I've heard anything specific. But I'm willing to speak to whatever valley God puts me in. I'm willing to speak the word of God to whatever valley I find myself standing in. I don't know what that will look like. I don't know what that means. I don't even have the words, but I serve the God who has the words. If that's you, this is where momentum and this is where revival begins to take hold. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to put your hands in the air. Jacob, I don't know what it means, but I want God to use me somehow, some way. Let me stand in valleys around the world and say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Are you ready? Two, three, put it up so high so I can see it. Thank you so much. Now I want everybody in the room, would you stand to your feet? Everybody in the house, stand with me to your feet. And now is where I'm going to ask you to make an even deeper declaration of what God is doing in your life right now. If you raised your hand for question one or you raised your hand for question number two, when I say the word go, I want you to slip out of your seat. I want you to come find a place at this altar and I want you to begin to pray and say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want to do in my life, here I am. Whatever you're calling me to, here I am. Whatever you're saying, Lord, here I am. Are you ready? For those in the balcony, now's the moment that you lay aside pride and you walk down some stairs. For those in the back of the room, when I say the word go, you say to yourself and to God, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for boldness, I pray for encouragement, I pray for strength right now in the name of Jesus to lead and guide these people here and now. Are you ready? I'm going to say the word go, and then I want you to slip out of your seat. Go, come on, right now, just slip out of your seat. You raised your hand for question one or question number two. We're just going to spend some time in the presence of the Lord, seeking the Lord and praying and asking God to minister to us. Father, we praise you.